Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. My name is Sylvie, and I will be your conference operator today. I would like to welcome you to Canopy Growth Second Quarter Fiscal Year 2022 Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in the listen-only mode. And I would like to turn the call over to Judy Hong, Vice President, Investor Relations. Judy, you may begin the conference call. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you all for joining us. On our call today, we have Canopy CEO David Klein and CFO Mike Lee. Before financial markets open today, Canopy issued a news release announcing our financial results for a second quarter fiscal year ended September 30th, 2021. This news release is available on our website under the Investors tab and will be filed on our Edgar and Cedar profiles. We've also posted our supplemental earnings presentation on our website. Before we begin, I would like to remind you that our discussion during this call will include forward-looking statements that are based on management's current views and assumptions, and that this discussion is qualified in its entirety by the cautionary note regarding forward-looking statements included at the end of this morning's news release. Please review today's earnings release and cannabis reports filed with the SEC and CEDAR for various factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from projections. In addition, reconciliations between any non-GAAP measures to their closest reported GAAP measures are included in our earnings release. Please note that all financial information is provided in Canadian dollars unless otherwise noted. Following prepared remarks by David and Mike, we will conduct a question and answer session. To ensure that we get to as many questions as possible, we ask analysts to limit themselves to one question. With that, I'll turn the call over to David. David, please go ahead. Thank you, Judy. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our second quarter call. Let me begin today's call with some perspectives on the current state of Canopy's business. I'll follow up with key highlights for Q2 and offer some comments on our priorities. Mike will then discuss our quarterly performance in more detail and provide perspectives on our outlook. While there are encouraging elements in this quarter's earnings, there remain a number of factors that impacted our Q2 performance and overall, we're not satisfied with where we are today. However, I'm confident that we've built a focused strategy with a foundation for growth at Canopy. And management, along with the board, continue to believe we're on the right path for long-term prosperity and shareholder returns. And make no mistake, like any new industry where potential is immense, progress is rarely seen in a straight line. The legalized cannabis industry is still in its infancy, and we firmly believe that our strong portfolio of brands, routes to market, and CPG model supply chain will provide Canopy with a competitive advantage. Let me remind you of the reasons why I believe Canopy is well positioned for long-term success. First, our U.S. strategy is well established with a burgeoning ecosystem. Our MSO partners, Acreage and Terracent, are performing well, capitalizing on strong market growth in their respective states and building their footprints. They're also ideally positioned to realize the untapped opportunity presented by newly legal cannabis markets in the highly populated Northeast United States. In addition, we 
further enhanced our U.S. ecosystem with a plan to acquire Wana Brands, the number one North American edibles brand, upon U.S. permissibility of THC. Wana's asset light licensing model provides outstanding coverage across the United States. We're continuing to build our U.S. CBD and CPG businesses, which, taken together with our MSO and WANA relationships, ensure we'll have the relationships, organizational capabilities, and routes to market for winning in legal U.S. THC markets post-permissibility. As we know, the U.S. is by far the world's largest cannabis market, and over the long term, we believe the creation of significant shareholder value will be driven by our ability to capture a significant portion of the U.S. profit pool. Finally, we have the backing of Constellation brands who directly contribute to the strength of our U.S. ecosystem. The relationship continues to pay dividends with distribution for our CBD brands and BioSeal. The second point is that we have strong assets and capabilities across our North American business. Our priority brands are healthy, with significant distribution runway as we scale them further. We're seeing strong consumer interest across many of our recent new product launches on both sides of the border, including several innovative products that take advantage of our insights-driven R&D platform. The Canadian market continues to find its footing. While consumer preferences are evolving and competition remains strong, we continue to see strong demand for legal cannabis products. Further, Brands are becoming increasingly important in certain categories, and consumers and customers are becoming more selective in which suppliers they partner with. There will be bumps in volatility. However, we continue to sharpen our focus and work on improving execution in the Canadian market. Let me now offer a review of key highlights of Q2. In the Canadian recreational cannabis market, we maintain market share leadership in the premium flower category and grew our market share in vapes and edibles. We launched several new products across the flower, pre-roll joint, beverage, and edible categories in Canada, and in the U.S. CBD and CBG categories. And in our consumer products business, we continue to expand distribution of BioSteel ready-to-drink beverages in the U.S. We did, however, face some challenges in the second quarter. Competition in the Canadian recreational cannabis market remains strong, with consumer preference continuing to shift. By way of examples, consumers are increasingly looking for higher THC offerings in the flower category, and we did not shift our growth strategy fast enough to capitalize on this during the quarter. The distribution ramp-up in our U.S. business is taking longer than expected as chain authorizations and shelf resets are happening later than planned for both BioSteel and our U.S. CBD portfolio. As a result of the above, our gross margins have suffered from lower than planned volume, continued price compression in value, and inventory write-downs resulting from our underperformance in the Canadian market. The delayed revenue ramp is causing us to push out our target of achieving positive adjusted EBITDA by the end of the current fiscal year. Improving our Canadian profitability remains our number one focus area, which Mike will discuss in more detail. Now I'll take a few minutes to discuss our performance in key categories and provide a glimpse into our innovation pipeline, which we feel is truly best in class. Starting with flower and pre-rolls. In the highly competitive Canadian recreational flower market, we've maintained our market leadership position in the premium flower category with a 13.2% market share in track provinces during Q2. 
And despite continued fragmentation of the premium flower category, our market share is more than double that of the next closest competitor. We launched several new premium flower products with new flower supply starting to build toward the end of Q2. Our Doja brand is gaining traction aided by several new Doja and Doja Craft SKUs. Our pre-roll sales increased 75% in Q2 compared to last year, benefiting from the launch of small format pre-roll joints, tweet cookies, and Ace Alley pinners. Finally, our flower team is excited about the new flower and pre-roll products coming to market in the next few months, including new strains across all product categories, including the launch of Doja 91K, Tweed Powder Donuts, and TWD Garlic Jelly flower uh, in the, that have been launched in the current quarter. In edibles, we're gaining market share with the help of um, some Q2 product launches, including Ace Valley Dream CBN and Super CBD gummies. Building upon deep space success in the beverages category, in the current quarter, we introduced the first ever gummy products from the deep space brand called Deep Space Express. In keeping with the deep space brand, the Deep Space Express gummies mark our first single 10 milligram THC infused gummy in the Canadian market directly meeting a consumer desire for higher THC products. These gummies are available in the original Deep Space flavor and new Limon Splashdown. Turning to beverages. Building on the success of our existing beverage portfolio, we're focused on producing new formulas that offer higher THC potency and taste great. Following our Q1 launch of Tweed Iced Tea Beverages, we launched Tweed Fizz Beverages in Q2. These are analogous to seltzers in beverage alcohol and all contain five milligrams of THC. We also expanded our popular Deep Space brand with the launch of Deep Space Limon Splashdown. With additional beverage innovations expected to hit the market over the coming months, we're on pace to more than double our assortment of beverages in fiscal 2022. And in vapes and concentrates, we grew market share of vapes in Q2 driven by the launch of 1 mil 510 cartridges that began in Q1. We continue to focus on premiumizing our vape portfolio in Canada and bringing additional products to market, including launching premium live resin vapes, as well as live resin dab-friendly concentrates and hash products before the end of fiscal 22. Now turning to our U.S. CPG and CBD brands. BioSteel remains focused on building national chain distribution, supporting the Constellation Brands Gold Network, and leveraging local marketing activities to build brand awareness and generate trial. Distribution continues to ramp, with ACB climbing to 6.5% for the 13 weeks ended October 3rd in IRI. We're seeing key wins in major chain authorizations with over 2,000 doors won in recent months, and active discussions are underway with a number of national and regional chains as we speak. Velocity continues to increase, particularly in key markets such as Phoenix and Chicago. Brand awareness continues its rapid ascent through prestigious sponsorships, becoming the official sports drink of the Los Angeles Lakers in the Miami Heat. Swords and Bickle continues to cement itself as the gold standard in the vaporizer category and recently released several new vaporizers, including the Volcano Onyx in the Mighty Plus vaporizer, which improved charging or with improved charging in a quicker heat up time. Our new Whistle CBD vape launched in Q2. 
Whistle is a nicotine-free CBD vaporizer with three interchangeable pods, offering uniquely formulated options to help consumers dial into their desired effect, whether that be focus, calm, or winding down. Whistle has been available on shopcanopy.com since mid-September and is available in over 3,500 Circle K stores throughout the United States. While it's still early into our launch, it's encouraging to note that Whistle has already achieved the number three position in the CBD vape category, according to IRI, in the four weeks ended October 3, 2021. Martha Stewart CBD remains one of the fastest growing CBD brands across all formats. Martha Stewart is now the number three CBD supplement brand in the food, drug, and C-store channels. In this quarter, we launched a number of new confectionery products aimed at capturing holiday shoppers, including the Snowflake Winter CBD Gummy Gift Box and Martha Stewart CBD Peppermint Ribbons. And even though we're pleased with the performance of our new products in the U.S. CBD market, our primary challenge is growing our distribution uh, to expand our business. A potential unlock for distribution for our CBD products is the recent signing of Bill AB45 in California. This legislation establishes the regulatory framework for CBD ingestible products that's necessary to encourage broader retail participation in the CBD market in California. I'd now like to take a minute to speak about our path to profitability and our commitment to achieve break-even by the end of fiscal year 22. Recognizing our challenges in the Canadian market, coupled with the slower-than-expected ramp-up of our U.S. business, we're postponing our timeline for achieving positive adjusted EBITDA. And while our top priority continues to be achieving profitability, we must place our focus on the following. Number one, stabilizing our Canadian business by taking steps to improve our mix of supply to better meet consumer preferences for higher THC offerings. This will take time but we're starting to see some benefits and expect that our new supply will be fully realigned by the beginning of next fiscal year. In the meantime, we're focused on accelerating new product launches across vapes, edibles, and beverages. Number two, continue to build distribution of our U.S. CBD portfolio, leveraging both our distribution and retail partners, including seizing the opportunity presented by a newly unlocked market in California. And number three, on BioSteel, we remain confident in our growth opportunity and will continue to invest in building brand awareness and generating trial while partnering with the Gold Network to drive distribution and build a national chain presence. In summary, the combination of volume growth, improved portfolio mix, and the previously announced cost savings should allow us to turn profitable in our Canadian operation while we continue to scale our U.S. business. And with that, I'll turn it over to Mike. Thank you, David, and good morning, everyone. Let me dive right into the review of our second quarter fiscal 22 results. In the second quarter of fiscal 22, we generated net revenue of 131 million, representing a 3% decline over the prior year. Excluding acquisitions, our net revenue was down 13% versus the prior year. Our reported gross margin in the second quarter of fiscal 22 was a negative 54%, impacted by a material inventory write-down related to our excess Canadian cannabis inventory as a result of underperformance in sales relative to forecast, as well as our updated expectations for near-term demand. Our adjusted EBITDA loss during the second quarter, fiscal 22, was a loss of $163 million, 
widened by 90% versus prior year and again was impacted by the inventory write-downs. Excluding these write-downs, our adjusted EBITDA loss would have been $76 million. Free cash flow in the second quarter of fiscal 22 was an outflow of $101 million, representing a 47% improvement over the prior year. Let's now dive into Q2, starting with the global cannabis segment, which increased 1% year-over-year to $95 million, or down 14%, excluding acquisitions. Our total Canadian rec business declined 4% year-over-year to $59 million, driven by a 1% decline in our B2B channel and an 11% decline in our B2C channel. Our Canadian medical cannabis declined around 6% to $13 million as higher average order size was offset by a lower number of orders. Our international and other cannabis business increased 21% year-over-year to $24 million, driven primarily by the growth in our U.S. CBD business, partially offset by declines in C3 and our German flower business due to increased competition as well as negative FX impacts. Looking into our Canadian rec business in a bit more detail, B2B revenue declined 1% year-over-year, primarily due to insufficient supply of flower products with in-demand product attributes, as well as continued price compression and the value flower category. It was partially offset by contributions from Ace Valley and Supreme Acquisitions. Excluding the impact of acquisitions, B2B sales would have been down 34% compared to the prior year. Our REC B2C cannabis sales in the second quarter of fiscal 22 decreased 11% versus the prior year, largely driven by increased competition from the opening of additional third-party retail locations. Revenue from other consumer products declined 12% versus prior year to $36 million in net revenue. Stores and Bickle declined 34%, driven by supply and logistics challenges caused by global supply chain difficulties, a negative FX impact tied to the strong Canadian dollar, as well as a tough overlap to prior year driven by the strong demand experienced during the COVID-related restrictions. This works grew 15% year-over-year due to continued strong Amazon and third-party e-commerce sales. BioSteel grew 47% year-on-year due primarily to the launch of BioSteel ready-to-drink beverages in the U.S. Let's now move on to an analysis of gross margin. Reported gross margin in the second quarter of fiscal 22 was negative 54%, impacted by several items. First, we recorded inventory write-downs of $87 million, primarily related to Canadian cannabis inventory resulting from underperformance relative to forecast, as well as declines in expected near-term demand. Second, we built charges totaling $3 million related to the flow-through of inventory step-up charges associated with the acquisition of Supreme Cannabis. And third, we continue to see pressure on gross margins from lower production output and price compression in the Canadian rec business, notably in the value-priced flower category. In addition, we incurred higher third-party shipping, distribution, and warehousing costs in North America. And these factors were partially offset by payroll subsidies and the amount of $7 million received from the Canadian government pursuant to a COVID-19 relief program. Excluding inventory write-downs, step-up inventory charges, 
and other one-off items, including the subsidy, Q2 gross margin would have been approximately 12%. Turning to our OPEX, our overall SG&A in the second quarter, fiscal 22, decreased 15% versus the prior year. G&A expenses declined 49% year-over-year, primarily due to reductions in staffing and professional fees and payroll subsidies. And excluding the subsidies, our G&A was down 34% versus prior year. R&D expenses declined 38% year-on-year, principally due to project timing. Sales and marketing expenses increased 49% year-over-year, primarily due to a return to more normal advertising and promotional spending compared to last year when we delayed or canceled various product and brand marketing programs tied to COVID-19. In addition, we incurred higher sponsorship costs associated with BioSteel's partnership deals as, as well as increased A&P spending to support the launch of new products. Through the end of the second quarter, we have generated approximately $70 million of savings across COGS and SGNA, including $32 million in the second quarter. With savings that we have recognized to date and our analysis of future savings, we are confident that we will recognize the $150 to $200 million in savings by the end of Q1 of next fiscal year. Our net loss during the quarter was a loss of $16 million, inclusive of other income of $196 million, most of which is tied to non-cash, fair value adjustments related to our various financial instruments, driven mainly by the decline in canopy share price during the quarter. Our free cash flow in the second quarter of fiscal 22 was an outflow of $101 million, representing a 47% reduction over the prior year. CapEx declined to $15 million, down 46% versus prior year. As David mentioned, given some of the challenges we're facing in our Canadian B2B business and the slower-than-expected distribution ramp-up on BioSteel and our U.S. CBD business, we expect revenue to fall short of our $250 million break-even range and therefore no longer expect to achieve positive adjusted EBITDA by the end of the current fiscal year. So let's spend some time detailing the actions that we're taking to improve our business. First, in our Canadian B2B business, we are focused on stabilizing our market share during the balance of the fiscal year. The key actions we're taking include the following. Increasing supply of flower products with in-demand attributes, accelerating our pace of new product innovation, and optimizing our portfolio to ensure commercial and operational efficiency with a focus on premiumizing our portfolio. So let me dig into each of these items in more detail. First, we have undertaken steps to increase supply of new high THC flour. Our acquisition of Supreme Cannabis increased our capacity to produce high quality high THC flour and our efforts to improve cultivation and post-harvest processes across Canopy are underway, including expanding our hang drying programs at our Smith Falls facility. We're taking additional actions to increase our internal flower supply with higher THC levels and improvements to other attributes such as terpene profiles and aroma with a target of internally harvesting 100% of our premium and mainstream flower requirements by Q1 of fiscal 23. Additionally, 
Our new genetics and sourcing strategy will leverage our internal R&D capability as well as third-party partners, including craft growers, to quickly scale up production in support of evolving consumer preferences. And our goal is to reduce the cycle time of new strain development from 12 months to three months, which will dramatically improve our response time to the ever-changing consumer preferences. We're encouraged that the flower products with in-demand attributes have become, uh, begun to enter the market with, and supply is expected to build throughout the remainder of fiscal 22 and into fiscal 23. Second, the acceleration of our pace of new product development is critical to our success. And as David mentioned, several new products have entered the market with more to come in future months. Meanwhile, we are focused on reducing our cycle time for new product development to improve our flexibility and nimbleness as an organization while increasing our overall capacity for new product development. Lastly, we recently optimized our portfolio so that we can better concentrate our resources against the SKUs with the highest potential, which ensures that we're getting the best ROI on new distri distribution while also reducing supply chain complexity and improving inventory management. Now, before leaving Canada and in light of the inventory charges recorded in our Q2 results, I would like to briefly cover some of the changes that we're making in our Canadian operations and supply chain that will help to improve our inventory management. Recognizing that a portion of our inventory charges are a result of poor demand signals we are implementing a new demand planning process that will improve our back-end processes that lead to production and inventory planning. We recently implemented a new inventory management process that will increase our visibility on, in, on finished and semi-finished finished goods inventory in a more real-time basis. And we're in the midst of a full business transformation that will result in a full deployment of SAP across Canada which will further improve our end-to-end -end process flows, our access to timely information, and improve our ability to manage risks proactively. Each of these initiatives is underway, and we are receiving the highest levels of support from our executive team. Let me now spend a couple of minutes on BioSteel and our US CBD businesses, where the focus is really about accelerating distribution. Chain authorizations for BioSteel are happening more slowly than expected, resulting in lower than expected sales for the fiscal year. Despite being four to six months behind where we expected to be, the sales discussions that we're having with the national and regional chains have been productive. And as a reminder, we're heavily supported by Constellation's Gold Network to activate these new points of distribution as they materialize. And our goal is to achieve a 20% ACV for RTD distributions in the U.S. by the end of this fiscal year. And the good news is that brand awareness continues to increase, customer interest remains strong, and the velocity levels from where we are in market is in line with our expectations. When you look at our U.S. CBD business, despite strong brand propositions, bricks and mortar distribution continues to lag expectations. And we're focused on accelerating Martha Stewart and Quattro CBD distribution 
working closely with Southern Glaciers Wine and Spirits, focusing on new states as they open up for CBD products, and further developing distribution with partners in certain channels and markets outside of Southern's coverage. Whistle is off to a good start, and it's expected to continue to build momentum with Circle K, and we are currently working to further build distribution across the U.S. market. Let me now provide some perspective on the near-term outlook. From a top-line perspective, in our Canadian rec business, we're focused on stabilizing our market share with improved supply of new strain and high THC flour expected to build over the course of the balance of this fiscal and into fiscal 23. We expect our European medical sales, including C3, to be down on a year-over-year -year basis due to increased competition for C3 and German flour business. Our U.S. CBD business in Q3 is expected to be down versus prior quarter due to a whistle load-in during Q2. Biosteel momentum is building and shipment to our distributors will largely depend on the timing of chain authorizations and the associated shelf resets. Stores and Bickle is off to a good start in Q3, which is typically a seasonally strong quarter. However, we are facing parts shortages due to global supply chain difficulties, which could temper growth for the balance of the fiscal year. From a margin perspective, we expect increased volume throughput and positive mix shift in Canada to contribute to a gradual gross margin improvement. Additionally, headwinds from startup costs in the U.S. should abate as we scale up our, CP, our CBD and CPG businesses, though we continue to invest for brand act, activation given the sizable growth opportunity that we see for brands like BioSteel. We're on track to achieve our cost savings target, including $45 to $50 million reduction in SG&A expenses this fiscal year compared to last year. And we are taking steps to reduce or delay discretionary spending to further tighten our G&A expenses. Finally, we intend to mitigate impact to free cash flow by further reducing our CapEx, with CapEx now expected to be in the range of $100 to $150 million, down from $200 million. In conclusion, we recognize we are behind our plans for the year, but we believe we're taking the necessary actions with a sense of urgency to drive market share in Canada, accelerate distribution in the U.S., accelerate our new product development, and ultimately improve profitability. This concludes my prepared comments. Operator David and I would be happy to take questions from the analysts. Thank you, sir. To ensure an efficient call that gets to the questions of as many analysts as possible, analysts are requested to limit themselves to one question. If you do have any questions, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad, and if you would like to withdraw from the question queue, you will need to press star 2. Please go ahead and press star 1 now. And your first question will be from Pablo Zanik at Campbell Fitzgerald. Please go ahead. Thank you. Uh, good morning. Uh, David, just uh, maybe it's a simplistic question, but can you try to characterize the competition out there? Uh, you know, there used to be this view that it was because of over overcapacity and smaller operators were just trying to raise cash and, uh, you know, dump production in the market. And we all thought, well, that's temporary. The bigger guys will eventually benefit as these uh, smaller players uh, fall out of the market. 
But there's the other view that some people maybe are just better, right? That the village farms of the world are better farmers, that the Oxleys of the world are better in 2.0. Um, and then the, it's a different story then uh, on the competition front. Can you just expand on that, characterize the competition? And, and you've been very clear about what you're trying to do to fix the business. Thank you. Yeah, so um, thanks, Pablo. So, so look, Canada is a large market and a growing market. Um, and uh, consumers and retailers are evolving quickly. And, we think some of that uh, uh, some of that volatility from a consumer preference and a retailer preference standpoint will abate over time, right? So then, when you look at the competitive set, I I, I think that um, uh, the our ability to grow um, high quality, premium, single strain, high THC uh, product is as good as anyone out there, including the smaller players, uh, they can bring, they've shown the ability to bring product to market, uh, I don't know about quickly, but it seems to hit the market quickly. Mike talked about the initiatives we have going on in which we're going to dramatically shrink the time it takes us to bring our new genetics to market. And we're, we're just building agility into our system um, so that we can, uh, we can respond to changes in the market. And, and look, I don't also, I want to make sure that I don't lose the point that there are a lot of players out there, but we still have the number one position in premium in the market. So the, the, the brands like Doja and Seven Acres continue to do really well for our retailers, for our customers, and ultimately for our consumers. And so um, I think as we're uh, working our way through the evolution of the, the market in Canada, you know, we're continuing to adapt um, so that we can be more nimble. But I, I, don't, I don't see uh, Canopy or the other larger players at a disadvantage when it comes to competing with smaller LPs. Thank you. Next question will be from Tammy Chen at BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to ask... Um, First, just a quick housekeeping. Did I hear correctly that your B2B business was down 34% year-over-year, excluding Ace Valley and Supreme? And then after that clarification question, I wanted to take a step back and um, thinking about what you said, uh, what you're working on to stabilize share in Canada. Um, it's pretty consistent with what you said in past quarters after you've done that whole analysis of your business plan and the go-forward strategy. So I'm just wondering, you know, these last few quarters of challenges, like is it just that your plan is just taking longer to execute or are things that you had in your original turnaround plan, like are they, are some things just not working out and, and you've got to kind of go back to the drawing board here, whether it's the premium flower supply or that demand planning system that you're talking about? Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Tammy. Uh, look, the, just to answer your first housekeeping question, yeah, down 34% on an organic basis. So stepping back and, 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 and thinking about um, the Canadian market, our challenge has been that in this market, consumer preferences continue to shift rapidly, and Canopy has not kept up in responding fast enough. And when you think about you know, the components to our growth strategy, it really is focused on in reducing our cycle time for uh, introducing new strains to the market, which will make us more nimble. It really is about focusing 
our business on premium and mainstream and participating in value to the extent that we have waterfall products from our premium and mainstream grow, uh, grows, but really to focus on premium business and to take a consumer-led approach through all of this. So we believe that nimbleness is going to be key, and our goal is to get the uh, ability to introduce new strains into the market down to 90 days, which gives us the ability to bring new news to the market, to follow trends more quickly, but then also through our uh, sourcing strategy, it's the ability to identify and introduce new strains ahead of the market. Because at the end of the day, in Canada, 70% of the market continues to be flour and pre-roll, and we've got to be superior in providing the right products to the right consumers at the right time. And if we miss it, it's tough to recover. David, anything you want to Yeah, add? so the thing that I would say, Kenny, is that we, there hasn't been like wholesale changes. It does take time when you have a, you know, four to six month cycle from, you know, cutting to uh, being in the consumer's hands. It just takes a while to respond, which is why we have been talking about some of these things for a little bit. It just takes a while to get uh, through our system and, in, and into the market, which is which is why we said we expect to be um, you know, functioning with the right production mix uh, by the end of this fiscal, beginning of next fiscal year. Thank you. Next question will be from Andrew Carter at CFL. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. So you've pushed off the first milestone in the medium-term target, so maybe you could highlight the revised timeline for achieving positive EBITDA. Also provide us a sense of what overall revenue growth for FY21 is and how that's and how, how, how that affects the 40 to 50% growth FY21 through 24. And finally, could you update us on where the operating cash flow and free cash flow targets uh, are today, previously FY23, 24? And do you have a projection for cash burn necessary to get to free cash flow? Thank you. All right, thanks, Andrew. Uh, so let me start with maybe some building blocks to profitability, because I, I think that's the most near-term, most relevant topic. And, you know, as we said previously, that uh, our, our P&L starts to, you know, make sense of $250 million in revenue. When you look at our cost structure, you look at our operating expenses, you look at our gross margin profile, and we continue to focus on $250 million is that is that main catalyst that gets us to that break-even territory. So further breaking that down, looking at our Canadian business, we expect the Canadian market to grow approximately 40% 40, uh, 40 this year. We're expecting the market to grow around 20 to 25% next year. And our goal is to get a 20% share in the Canadian rec market. Now, recognizing we're not there yet, ties back to the growth strategy that we talked about, the innovation that we talked about, and we think we can get to a 20 share over the, over the medium term. And at a 20 share, the economies of scale associated with our Canadian infrastructure starts to kick, kick in, and then we start to get line of sight to a 30% gross margin. So uh, that's our Canadian business. And, and, and mind you that we're continuing to deliver on our cost savings initiative as well, and we believe that, that we're on track. So then you pivot to the rest of the building blocks across our business. BioSteel, our goal is to achieve 20% uh, ACV by fiscal year end, which is about three times the ACV that we're at today. Uh, this will essentially triple our run rate 
on U.S. revenue for BioSteel, and in FY23, we're targeting to further double our ACV as we continue to build out distribution. And at that point, BioSteel becomes a, a fairly significant contributor to that $250 million uh, quarterly revenue goal. On our U.S. CBD business, we're at about a 60 index to where we hope to be when it comes to distribution. We're at around 6,000 accounts today, and we're working to really accelerate the build-out of our pods, and that's going to be a, it's going to be a build through the rest of this fiscal year. But again, we, we're really confident in the brands that we have. Whistles off to a good start, but it really is leveraging uh, the, the muscle of Southern to help us build distribution across the U.S. But we think we've got the right brands to do that, and we do see the U.S. CBD portfolio starting to be a healthy contributor to that $250 million run rate. Uh, then you move internationally, stores in Bickle, lots of good news in terms of the new, new product uh, innovation from the, the last couple of months. Um, we are facing some short-term supply chain challenges. We're going to work through that. That's a near-term problem, not a long-term problem. And um, about 50% of SMB's business now is in the U.S., and we see lots of growth uh, in, in, in the near term on stores of Bickle, so we see that being a very large contributor to the $250 million at, you know, very strong margins in that 45 to 50% level. And then you have the rest of our businesses with, you know, continued growth in this works, continued growth uh, from our European cannabis business also contributing to that. So for us, getting to that $250 million quarterly run rate is absolutely critical. And then when, when, when you think about, uh, you know, our burn rate, we are focused on cash preservation from a CapEx perspective. We largely have an uh, asset light model in the U.S. Uh, most of the infrastructure build in Canada is complete. We're really in just capital maintenance mode. Um, and in terms of you know, our medium-term revenue, we still are holding guidance on positive operating cash flow by FY23 and getting to... Um, you know, positive free cash flow by FY24. We know we've got work to do to get there, and we'll keep you updated as we progress, but we're holding on to that medium-term guidance for now. Thank you. Next question will be from Vivian Azar at Cohen. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you. Good morning. Um, I wanted to dive in on uh, the, the BioSteel outlook and specifically the the timing of the distribution gains. You know, I, I appreciate that, you know, timing of shelf resets is, is a little bit more volatile or dynamic, um, you know, with COVID and, and all that. But, you know, given the, the deep institutional relationships, you know, David, that, that you have with these distributors and retailers, as well as your partners at Constellation Brands, I, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that this seems to have caught you off guard a little bit. Um, you know, we certainly, you know, talked about it um, extensively last time that, that we were together. So if you can offer just any more color on, on what changed and when, I think that would be very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, so Vivian, we're, we're, we're working through the contracting cycle with many of the major national accounts. As you know, this is kind of the time of the year that happens. Uh, and we uh, expected sooner cut-ins and um, sooner load-ins for those, those uh, resets. Uh, I will say, and, and I think Mike called this out in his script, that you know, we're, we're seeing really good uh, retailer response to BioSteel. And so 
we remain as bullish as ever in aggregate on the biosteel brands. Um, uh, it's, it's kind of timing of, of cut-ins that um, um, that's, that's the risk that we're seeing, and so I think we need to we need to wait till we have the orders in hand at this point before we can say whether it's you know fourth quarter fourth quarter orders or first quarter orders when we start getting those initial cuttings. So it's really not um, uh, with BioSteel. There there hasn't been a change of view. The timing has slid a little bit really in terms of uh, uh, when we get into the market. Thank you. Next question will be from Aaron Gray at Alliance Global Partners. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, and thank you for the question. Um, so just, you know, turning back to the Canadian you know, adult use market, you guys talked about some of the initiatives you have to stabilize market share. You know, just curious, you mentioned a lot about, you know, organic um, initiatives that you have. I just wanted to get your take on, you know, potentially, you know, using acquisitions also as a lever in, in organic growth. Uh, you've obviously done that in the past with some recent acquisitions of Ace Valley as well as Supreme. Um, so as you look at the growth of kind of the other category outside the top five, do you feel like that might be part of the strategy, you know, in the near to medium term? And do you see some opportunities for some acquisitions, you know, particularly with WANA, you know, here in the U.S., also doing very well in Canada as well, where they're licensing it out to another operator? So just your take on maybe inorganic growth within Canada kind of to improve market share versus the organic initiatives that you mentioned. Thank you. Yeah, so Aaron, I, I think that, you know, we'll, we'll – focus uh, most of our efforts and capital on building our U.S. THC infrastructure in the U.S. You know, we are pretty excited about uh, bringing uh, WANA into the group. I think if you if you look at WANA and Terrasend and Acreage, um, that we have coverage now in 24 states across the U.S. in terms of THC and, and, and growing. Um, those businesses are all profitable and growing, and they clearly don't make their way into our financial statements at this point. So, you know, we're going to continue to build that platform because we believe that that's where, um, you know, that, that, that's where uh, we, we ultimately need to win. Uh, there is, you know, in Canada, for us, the game is uh, getting the right throughput through our facilities, uh, which is the, you know, the ultimate issue around us getting to positive gross margin. But we feel, as Mike outlined, that from an organic standpoint, we can get the throughput that gets us the margins that we need out of Canada. We can solidify our position in Canada and, and turn Canada into a cash generator instead of a cash burner, and then focus on continuing to build out that U.S. Uh, THC ecosystem supported by the CBD businesses that we walk through in the U.S. as well. Thank you. Your next question will be from Graham Crandler at 8 Capital. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, and thank you for taking my question. Uh, I wanted to follow up on the comments made about uh, increasing the efficiencies uh, of operations uh, in the quest to get to positive adjusted EBITDA, specifically with the gross margin here. Uh, does management believe that the 40% portfolio-wide target is still a realistic goal? Um, I know Canopy has moved into a net buyer position, um, offset by trying to harvest more of the high-potency strains internally, but given the competitive factors that you're seeing and the ongoing market trends, I'm wondering if that's something that's still held in mind or if that, that internal target has been adjusted. Thank you. So, so you know, I'll take a, a, a quick shot at that and say that, you know, what Mike talked about a more concentrated, uh, optimized portfolio of SKUs. When we look at that particular set of SKUs, we're, we're comfortable with the margins that we can get to that, um, that in aggregate get us to 40% margins. But, 
you know, there's a, there, we, we, uh, we have to execute, as, as Mike also defined, uh, you know, the initiatives that we're undertaking. But if the question is, can you, can you, uh, can, can, can Canopy function at the kind of margins that we put out on our medium-term guidance, the answer is yes, if we look at it on a skew-by-skew -skew basis, and now we need the throughput. Thank you. Your next question will be from Glenn Matson at Leidenberg Talman. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking the question. Just um, most of my uh, questions have been asked, but just curious about um, you talked about being much less capex intensive going forward. That the uh, Canadian footprint is built out, and that it's an asset light model in the United States. But uh, just looking out further ahead, like when U.S legalization happens and and you, and you move bigger into this uh, market would you would you envision needing to make a lot of investment at that point in time or or, or do you feel like the the investments that you've made or, or that they're doing the legwork for you now um, yeah I think it's it's more the, the your your second point it's the investments that we have today and and look like uh, uh, we're not running those businesses today but we have a lot of confidence in the management teams at acreage you see that their businesses in growth and they're profitable. Um, love the management team at uh, at WANA, led by Nancy Whiteman, um, and you know Terrasen. We've always said is a well-run company, and so you know they they're they're building out their footprints. We would see no reason to come in over the top. And I think you know everybody's going to have to question what your footprint looks like post permissibility, depending upon um, you know the provisions of permissibility, and so. We're, you know, I would say we would be reluctant to, to, to invest heavily in the U.S. based upon our experiences in Canada with regards to um, um, fixed assets on the ground. So we would intend to stay asset light, uh, even post-permissibility. Thank you. Next question will be from Michael Lavery at Piper Sandler. Please go ahead. <clears throat> Thank you. Good morning. Um, I just want to follow up on some of the, the building blocks you laid out and, and this uh, the target for the 250 million revenues. And I guess really the question is, is, is that the right number? Uh, you know, you've got the biosteel um, target of 20% ACV that could potentially triple its size, but would still leave you at, at less than 10% of that quarterly <clears throat> target. It's close to double what you just reported. You're talking about 40% Canadian growth in, in in cannabis that is, I think, a retail number, so it could even be haircut uh, for what you get, even if you have your fair share. You're you're a long ways off of, of, of really doubling your, the size of your business in its entirety. What makes you so wedded to the 250 as opposed to trying to maybe right size your, your expenses and, and fixed costs to closer to where you are now. Yeah, so I'll, I'll take a shot at that, Michael. So I think that uh, when, when you look at uh, uh, the, the growth uh, in our, so, so pulling it out part by the components, I think the U.S. CBD business um, is attractive and is growing and has a lot of runway, especially as we start to get bricks and mortar um, placements in places like California. I think BioSteel um, is a business that as we grow ACV, we're going to see a very hard ramp in the total revenue of BioSteel. And then when you look at um, uh, our Canadian business, we're, we're really talking about uh, being uh, able to supply the right 
product attributes into the market, which we, you know, we said, uh, you know, a couple of months ago we were struggling with uh, during Q2, but we expect to have those problems behind us and return more, um, or, or you know, get in line more quickly with the share that we had captured in the past. So, uh, yeah, we, we think. Um, uh, we think that the revenue number that we call out is there's a there's a really clear path to get there. Like on your on, on your other point, uh, we continue to uh, adjust the infrastructure of our business. We talked about the COGS improvement plan, and that's still underway. And, and uh, we did we're not stopping there. We're continuing to do that work, and we continue to look at ways to lower our overall operating costs and optimize our business. That work's just ongoing. We're, we're, we're just trying to lay out. As everything sits here today, the path to profitability does revolve around that mid-200s number, and you know we we see a path to get there. But that doesn't suggest that we're not looking at other other ways to get there as well. Thank you. Next question will be from John Zamparo at CIBC. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. I wanted to ask about the cost-cutting program, and, and I'd like to get a sense of what the net savings on COGS and SGNA are going to be. Uh, I get the 150 to 200 million figure that's out there, but SGNA was up quarter over quarter, even X stock-based comp, um, and now you're talking about an SAP implementation, higher sales and marketing as we kind of return to a normal environment. You're building some of your U.S. businesses, so I'd like to get a sense of what what total SGNA will look like once you're through the cost-cutting program. Thanks. Yeah, like we, uh, we we continue on focusing SG&A savings in terms of SG&A load as a percent of our revenue, but we're also continuing to drive out hard costs quarter on quarter. A lot of it does come back to balancing the you know the the, the need for cost efficiency with still allowing for a foundation for growth. And, you know, we, we as, as I quoted in my script, we've taken a lot of SG&A costs out this year. And for the foreseeable future, our algorithm is to hold SG&A costs flattish year on year as we scale the company. And all of my, uh, all of my EMC brethren have SG&A targets going out two to three years to make sure that we drive those economies of scale to our bottom line. So I'm confident that as we scale, our SG&A load is going to improve and that we'll manage to essentially flattish to slight inflationary type costs. So economies of scale are, are going to be key. Thank you. And at this time, I would like to turn the call back over to Mr. Klein for final remarks. Thank you. And thanks everybody for joining us today. As we now head towards the holiday season, I hope that you'll be able to enjoy some time with your family. And also, I hope that you uh, have or will soon be able to try our fantastic cannabis products, including the range of mood management options we now have in the market, as well as our existing or exciting CPG grant, uh, brands. Look forward to updating you on the progress Canopy is making in the second half of the fiscal year. Our IR team will be available to answer any additional questions. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, sir. This concludes Canopy Growth's second quarter fiscal 2022 financial results conference call. A replay of this conference call will be available until February 3, 2022, and can be accessed following the instructions provided in the company's press release issued earlier today. Thank you for attending today's call, and enjoy the rest of your day. Goodbye. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.